kind of personally challenge myself and my wife does the same thing on a weekly basis to say, you know, what is one thing I can take off my plate this week that I can hand off to one of our assistants so that we can be more productive. And then the other phrase that we really love around here is if we're doing something that like we don't enjoy doing or it's kind of a pain, we say, how do I never have to do this task again? And so just think totally outside the box. Like, can I, is it, you know, having another assistant or hiring someone local? Like right now we have a local college student doing our laundry in our house, making food prep for us so that we're able to do things like this. My wife's able to work. And then when our kids get home, we have family quality time. We can shut off all the business. We're not stressed about it. And we're pouring into our kids. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to interview Harley Green, the man who is, is hiring from all over the world, the Philippines, etc. He's a software architect turned real estate investor. He went the normal route that a lot of people go when you have the corporate job, you invest in stocks. That's just how you do it. But then he recognized real estate and realized that was by far the better path for him. So we're going to get into his basement story and then we're going to go beyond. We're going to talk about how he built a life of financial freedom. So if you guys are currently stuck at a corporate job or you're just looking for how to invest in real estate, this is going to be the show for you. Harley, thank you so much. Give us some background into this. What was going on in your corporate job? Like, What was your investment strategy? What caused it to change? Yeah, thanks, Matt. You know, I had one, a great job. I was a software architect working in the defense industry. We had amazing benefits. And I kind of grew up with just the knowledge of, hey, you know, you put some money in index funds, you keep doing that, you save, you live below your means, and you'll retire comfortably and be okay. And it got to the point where my wife and I were kind of looking at our investment portfolio and we're like, wow, we're really heavy in stocks. And what if there is a market correction? I mean, thankfully, you know, we're at an age where the stock market was doing very well for us. However, we just were like, what's going to happen in the future? We started having children. So we had a lot more concern for our financial what year future. Was this, but you were realizing this. This was probably back like 2015, 2016. Okay, cool. And so we're like, what are what some ways we can diversify? And one of the things we thought of based on some conversations I had with my coworkers that kind of had fallen into real estate investing from, you know, keeping their previous homes that they moved out of and just renting them out, nothing like intentional. So like, well, maybe we can see about doing that. We had a basement in a house where we weren't really using it. It was, we had kind of bought a house of like our, our dream home where we would be there forever and uh, weren't using the space yet. And so like, hey, let's just finish it out and see if we can rent it as like a little studio apartment. And that worked really well. We started learning about all the tax benefits of real estate. We could start writing off part of our utilities, part of our landscaping maintenance, all these other things. We're like, well, now that we know how to do a lease, how to screen for tenants, maybe it's time to like branch out and get another investment property that's separate. Awesome. So you were very forward thinking in the sense of, hey, this is good right now, but maybe it won't be good. Now, in retrospect, you probably feel like a genius, right? Because... <laughs> You diversified right before things got really interesting. Yeah, we got really lucky with timing. I will readily admit we have no really specialized knowledge. We did a lot of due diligence, took advantage of all the resources online, like podcasts like this and other blogs and things like that to learn the basics before getting into it and talking to colleagues that were kind of doing it. And we got in at a perfect time. You know, the stock or the uh, real estate market was just trying to recover from 2008. Our first investment property was actually a short sale. Um, we ended up getting a great deal on it, just like on MLS, nothing fancy, rent ready. We had a 
tenant with a signed lease on closing day. So they moved in and it cash flowed a little bit of money uh, every month from day one. And we just basically, because this was kind of like a side thing, we were not trying to do this as like, hey, let's gonna, we're going to hit financial independence in like five years. So it's not even a discussion. I was like, I thought I was going to work as an engineer for my whole career. And it, we just kept kind of rolling the proceeds and all of our extra savings into more real estate. You know, we bought another condo six months later. Next year, we bought two. The next year, we got our first uh, little condo beach house and started playing with the short-term rental game. And it just kind of compounds and snowballs from there. And it led eventually to being able to comfortably walk away from that W-2 job because of just the great passive income that we were generating from the real estate portfolio. So tell me about the first story. I mean, you, you talked to me pre-show about the basement. We didn't get into it, but I want to hear about it now. Tell me, what, what was the basement story? Yeah, so the basement story was a kind of a spur of the moment. We were at like a little vacation down in um, Southern Virginia and on our way back, we we're like, you know what? What if we just like put a little kitchenette in the basement? It already had some like rough in plumbing. We're like, we could put some, um, you know, a little kitchenette in there, cabinets, counter, put a fridge, put a stove and rent it out. And so we, we made a like last minute stop at Ikea. We had a pickup truck at the time and we filled that thing up. We actually bought so much stuff. We had to come back for a second load to get all the cabinets and all that kind of stuff. And we just spent kind of like nights and weekends doing it ourselves, building it out, getting it ready. Like we hired an electrician for doing the electrical work for getting the stove put in there. And through back then, Craigslist was where we were getting our tenants. That was what everyone was finding apartments and condos on. So we put an ad up and we were able to get this nice young couple in there. Um, we learned that renters generally have no idea how household appliances work. Like we would get calls or text messages saying, hey, the light doesn't work anymore. Well, we go down there, it just needed to switch the light bulb out. And so that kind of, that, that was like help learning experiences, like understanding where renter mindset is coming from. And we've been homeowners for quite a while, not like investor mindset homeowners, but just, you know, kind of having to do it ourselves. So uh, it, it just worked out so well. And it, you know, we met some great people that were like sharing that space with us. And it was actually a lot of benefits too, just for us personally, we were able to have someone that kind of kept an eye on the property when we'd go travel. Um, and it just, it worked out so well. I, I can't recommend it like that. Now I know it's called house hacking. Like it was not even a thing when we were doing it, we were just like renting the basement out. Now it's house hacking. And I, every like young people, young person I talk to and come across now and they're thinking about getting their first home, like if you can go a little bigger than you might otherwise get some extra space and rent it out. Like it's going to start covering part of your mortgage, maybe all your mortgage. You can write off your expenses that you're going to have anyway with maintaining your house. and the big thing for us too is a lesson learned of like we've kind of seen this in retrospect try not to buy your first house or second house as like your dream house or your forever house because life changes especially if you're getting into real estate your life is going to change very quickly your goals are going to change yeah. yeah don't buy your dream house as your first or second house this is absolutely flies in the face of conventional wisdom like dive into that more yeah i mean it was one of those things that our second house that we bought was on 11 acres, large single family home. We totally thought that was going to be like our forever home. Well, we don't live there anymore. And I'm actually happy that I don't live in there anymore. It was a huge amount of work. It did provide a lot of benefits for us. And I see so many young people kind of having their dream of like, oh, I want this and that. And they either overspend or they get something that is not going to be like a wise long-term investment. It's like very tailored to their personal taste. And then if they, for whatever reason, 
have like a family emergency or life changes, get another job and they have to move and it may be difficult to sell and they end up, you know, losing money on it or worst, you know, worst case or not making as much money as they could have. And it becomes kind of like a trap rather than an asset. Okay. All right. You got to take me into this conversation here. So you bought your 11 acres, you bought your dream home, you, your friends know about it. Everything that's entrenched in your world knows about it. Whose decision was it to sell? And how did that conversation go down in the home? Were you guys both on the same page? Yeah, so we were those kind of people that uh, changed plans in COVID. Uh, it was a situation where I was able to work remotely for the first time consistently. We had a lot of options on the table. We had been doing quite well with real estate. We had uh, the vacation homes at the beach. And we're like, do we really need to stay in this Northern Virginia area where there's a very high cost of living? This house is like a lot of work. We're spending our weekends just doing yard work and keeping things up rather than spending time with our three children. And so both my wife and I were totally on the same page about, hey, let's walk away from this. Let's find something better. And what we did then was actually kind of like a whole, almost like a deal analysis for where to move. And Chattanooga, Tennessee checked all the boxes for us, an incredible real estate investing market where you could buy on MLS full retail prices and turn around and rent them in cash flow on day one. It had amazing outdoor activities and great education opportunities for our children and a better tax situation with no income, no state income tax. So we both were like, hey, let's pack up and move. We did kind of hedge our bets, though. And so we were thankfully in a financial situation where we did not need to sell the house and get the equity out of the house to be able to buy another home to live in. And so we rented the house out. However, we were very careful and intentional about, all right, well, we know about the homeowner uh, capital gains tax exclusion for selling your primary residence. And so we went ahead and got a two-year lease in there. Uh, we turned what was honestly like one of our greatest cash flow liabilities into our, one of our greatest cash flow assets by then renting out this large single family home. And again, it was just perfect timing. Like everybody's fleeing the city and wanting to live out in the country. And so we got people with you know, high salary, W-2 jobs, wanting to live out in the country. It was a bidding war on the rent for that house. It was just incredible. And so- You didn't sell your 11 acres. What, not initially. We have sold it since. Yeah. To, but we wanted to hold on to it as kind of like, hey, maybe we'll come back to Northern Virginia. Maybe things aren't going to work out. I certainly don't want to have to buy back into the Northern Virginia market in two years from now. So let's just rent it out and- after the two years, though, we were just like, we loved Tennessee. We had bought a lot of real estate in Tennessee. It was going so well for us. And so we, within that five-year time period of getting that capital gains tax exclusion for your primary residence, we got it sold and were able to get a large chunk of cash tax-free to then reinvest and do more real estate investing. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies 
and got an inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Goodness. I mean, you have made very timely decisions. Um, so in selling, I mean, the logic you're saying is I didn't want to buy back in later, which is obviously proven to be very true. Now, I mean, most people would say if you hold on forever, every property is worth keeping, but like, I mean, you've made really good moves. So I, was the main driver of that decision, the capital gains exclusion, knowing like, hey, I can take advantage of this, get the 500,000 out since I'm married? That was a, that was a big factor. We also do regular uh, quarterly analysis on all of our properties. We keep the values, the rents, the expenses and all that in a spreadsheet. And we keep track of what is the return on equity. A lot of investors are always looking at what's the return on investment. And yeah, return on investment can get bigger and bigger as years go on, rents go up and you know, you're not reinvesting capital into it. I want to look at what's my return on equity investment. And so that home had a huge amount of equity sitting in it. The rents wouldn't necessarily justify doing a cash out refi on it to cover that expense. And so we could make higher returns on that equity by selling it then, getting the tax-free gains and buying a little bit smaller single family homes somewhere else. So you're a numbers man. If it's okay, I'd like to dive into some numbers that you got going on. So like you, you, like you started from the basement, now you're into beach houses, right? Give us some current idea of what your portfolio looks like. Yeah, so we have a mix. It's mostly class A single family homes. We rent to people or groups of uh, professionals that typically have you know, average incomes in like the 100K range. So they take care of the properties. We don't have problems with them. They always pay on time. And for us, that has worked really well. I know some people that are real... Hey, I got to get cash flow. I got to get cash flow. Go in like the small multifamily space. That's fine. That's just not where we've been kind of focusing. We've got three beach houses now and they have been amazing for us. And one of the great things about real estate that I share with people is that first investment property that we talked about earlier on the little condo, we were able to sell that do the 1031 tax free exchange and roll that into our first oceanfront beach house. So we went from a little condo that we bought for, I think, 170 back in 2016. It had appreciated up to the point, I think we sold it for close to 300K in 2021, did the tax-free exchange and rolled that into an oceanfront beach house. And one thing that I didn't mention that COVID really helped us with, I know COVID was terrible for a lot of families, that, that time period was so amazing for real estate investors. We were able to do cash out refis on all of our investment properties at get much lower rates, get all of the capital we'd use to buy them back out tax-free and raise rents across the board. And nobody missed a payment because they were all getting subsidy to make those rent payments. And also we, we rented to people who were professionals and were able to work remotely. They still had their jobs. So there was never any issues with evictions or late payments or things like that. And we, at the time when we were in Virginia, thinking about making the move to Tennessee, we didn't really want to reinvest directly there. And so we dropped all that capital into S&P 500 index fund in, I think, April of 2020, when it was like that biggest dip over the next year and a half or so, it went up like 50%. We were able to then use a margin account in our brokerage to borrow against that at like 3% to do down payments on other investment properties with conventional mortgages. 
And the great thing about doing that is it doesn't show up on your credit as any kind of debt. So it does not affect your debt to income ratio, which is like a huge concern for us with the way our portfolio is now. Like we are really honestly not able to get conventional mortgages. One, we're capped out at, you know, you can have 10 per person. And then two, just like our debt to income ratio is a place where they won't lend to us. Wow. Very cool. I mean, so many nuggets here as far as how you're leveraging. And then I mean, obviously you're keeping an eye on the stock market. You're keeping an eye on all these things and you're being very analytical and it's worked really, really well for you. I mean, you've, you've got to come in and out of the stock market at the right time, in and out of the real estate market at the right time. Um, so take us into like building this portfolio of properties led you to have to do systems and hire and you've hired some virtuals. Kind of take us into now your the virtual side of the business. Absolutely. So my wife decided to become a real estate agent back in 2019 as we were really accelerating our real estate investment journey. We realized we were probably missing out on some deals by you know working with some agents that didn't necessarily have our best interest or understand investing as well. And so she's like, well, I can just do it myself. And that rolled into her servicing other investors and got to the point where I was working you know, more than 40 hours a week as a software architect. She's doing way more than 40 hours a week as a real estate agent. We got three young children. There was just not enough hours in the day to do everything. She's up late doing compliance paperwork, bookkeeping, and all this other stuff. And I was like, we can figure this out ourselves. Like We're smart people. We can figure it out. However, is this really the best use of our time? Are we sacrificing like our family time? or opportunities to better service our clients and generate more income by doing these low leverage tasks. And so we found working with people in the Philippines has an, a huge advantage because they are able to take these tasks that are low leverage, they're kind of administrative, like the bookkeeping, writing contracts, doing newsletters, you know, doing client touches, calling service providers to go fix the toilet, things like that, checking on rent rolls, and hand those off to other people where it is a great job for them. We're able to give them an amazing salary for where they live. It's the best job they can possibly get. And so then they're passionate about doing this work for us. And it just takes a huge load off our plate. It gives us the headspace, not just like the time, it's just like the mental capacity to think big picture about what is possible with our investing, what is possible with our life, where do we want to be in a year to five years from now and make that happen and not be drowning in the day-to-day -day of running the businesses. Yeah, love this. So let's talk about it because a lot of people are drawn in the real estate industry to going overseas, but many kind of like have bad experiences and then say, forget it. What are some of the hard lessons that you've had to learn? Yeah, one of the biggest ones was, oh, I only need somebody like part-time to do my bookkeeping. It's not a full-time job at the time for us. And so we'd hire somebody part-time. We would spend the time investing and getting them trained, knowing our systems and our software. And then they would leave after three to four months and say, well, I got a full-time job somewhere else. And so that was a real pain point. Other ones were learning about what is the power provider that you have there? Because there's different power providers. Some are reliable, some aren't. What's your internet provider? Some are reliable, some aren't. Um, there's just kind of cultural family issues where it's like if they have some siblings and they come on hard times, they're culturally expected to support them. So you can kind of ask during the interview. And one of the nice things about the international too, everything's on the table. There's no kind of like HR rules or things you can't ask about. And so you can ask people like what their religion is, if that's something that's important to you and have that similar kind of mindset and philosophy. You can ask them, hey, like, what is your marital status? Are you expecting children? You can kind of screen for all these things that like would be inappropriate to or against the law in some cases to ask U.S. employees about. 
And so we're actually able to screen and get people that are going to be extremely loyal and dedicated employees because they don't have all the kind of other issues that we have here. And another thing we found that has been helpful is they are, don't have the mindset of like, oh, you hired me for this job. I'm only doing this job. I hear time and time again from people, oh, I've got an assistant. But like if I ask her to do something outside of what she's originally hired for, I get huge pushback. Versus when we're working with the people in the Philippines, they're like, yes, please. I'm more than happy to do that. We have someone who does web development for us. When he's not doing our websites, because I don't need constant website updates, I have him do administrative work. I'll have him make phone calls. I'll have him you know, order our groceries. He has no problem doing that for us. So you have personal assistants. Uh, take us into that. Like, I mean, they're ordering your groceries. Like, I mean, give us a grocery list, so to speak, of the things that he's doing for you personally. Yeah, so we kind of have a small army of people working for us now, um, whether it's the websites, the bookkeeping, uh, operations for our businesses, handling guest services for our uh, beach houses, and then the personal assistant stuff. Um, also due diligence, like that has been a game changer for me is when I'm looking at a new investment, I can have one of my assistants go do my due diligence and data research for me. In fact, I have that happening right now. I have a partnership opportunity to buy an RV park outside of Nashville. And of course, the, the head syndicator, he's kind of got the booklet, done some due diligence and looking at things. It's a big investment. I want to do my own independent research. And so I'm having one of my assistants go. They're calling the neighboring RV parks. They're basically saying, hey, I am a prospective you know, renter there. I've got this and such and such trailer. Can you tell me kind of like how many spots you've got available? Is there space? Like, what's the rent? What are the amenities? So they're gathering all the data that would have taken me hours, putting it in a nice spreadsheet. So then I can make a wise investment decision up front. And it just, it snowballs from there. I try to personally challenge myself and my wife does the same thing on a weekly basis to say, you know, what is one thing I can take off my plate this week that I can hand off to one of our assistants so that we can be more productive. And then the other phrase that we really love around here is if we're doing something that like we don't enjoy doing, or it's kind of a pain, we say, how do I never have to do this task again? And so just think totally outside the box. Like, can I, is it, you know, having another assistant or hiring someone local? Like right now we have a local college student doing our laundry in our house, making food prep for us so that we're able to do things like this. My wife's able to work. And then when our kids get home, we have family quality time. We can shut up all the business. We're not stressed about it. And we're pouring into our kids. So what's next on the offloading list? That, that is a great question. I think one thing that I'm, considering doing is maybe getting more into doing some like guided uh, educational courses so that it's like, I'm not having to necessarily have one-on-one -on -one meetings with people and kind of mentor and guide them. We can kind of package up certain aspects of investing or leveraging people and put them into courses and set up the websites for that and all the resources. And so I'm going to have an assistant assemble all that. I got an outline and then they can make the presentation. They can make the PDFs, the worksheets, the website, the, you know, online forms, the payment portals and stuff like that. And then I can just do the review and feedback for that. So that's probably the next thing with like offloading on the assistant side I'm looking at. Wow. Very, very cool. And so now that you've got, you got investing going on, you got all these amazing things going on. What is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? So my goal in the next 12 to 18 months is to help 200 real estate investors improve their business operations through optimizing their leverage, whether it's with finances, their time, with people and software and processes. I'm such a huge believer in those things. They have transformed our lives and they're not difficult things to set up. 
they, if you have the right mindset and you're willing to let go and let somebody else just take care of something for you, even if they do 80% of the job that you would, that is still you not having to do it anymore and taking it off your plate so you can do higher level things and things that are more enjoyable. Love it. And how, how can people get uh, in contact with you? Because you got a business setting people up with these things. How can people get in contact with you? Yeah, the best way to get connected with me is go to our website, workergenics.com. I've got a contact form there, discovery call. I'm more than happy to have phone calls with people and kind of hear where they're at and share my story and help them get to the next level. Awesome. Harley, thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business for from going from the basement to the beach houses. Pretty incredible stuff, guys. Write down something you learned from the day. Share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 